two weeks, well, not, yeah, two weeks ago I was in Bulgaria, and uh, I was in uh, a garage at the side of a house, and uh, the ceiling was about here. It was a bare concrete floor that sloped up, and at the end was a decrepit window that had a plastic sheet against it to stop the draft coming in. But it didn't really matter because there was a big gaping hole in the door that, you know. <laughs> so it was pretty cold in there. Uh, it was at a new church plant with about 15 people in the, the congregation. And, and after I'd, I'd preached and made an appeal and asked if anybody wanted to give their lives to Christ, that they'd just put up their hand. And, and one of the ladies there put up their hand to give their lives to Christ. So I want to say thank you for your prayers. Uh, it was great to see answers to prayer on the Sunday. And the night before, I was talking to pastors and leaders. And as I was teaching, one of the pastors was doing this. And, um, and as I you know, kept speaking and he kept doing this, I thought, goodness me, what am I saying? You know, why is this guy disagreeing so much with me? And then on the way home to the airport... Uh, the missionary Al was speaking to him and he started telling him about Bulgarian customs and he, and he said, this means yes in Bulgaria. <laughs> it would have been nice if he told me that on the way from the airport, not the way to the airport. Um, but anyway, so thanks for prayer for this time that I've been away. And I want to tie that in really because it's directly related to what I want to, to preach about in terms of prayer. And we're looking at the encounter of Jesus with Bartimaeus. And the question I want to ask is, who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Because Bartimaeus, he called on Jesus. And Jesus heard him and Jesus answered him. So let's uh, look at the story of the encounter, it comes from Mark 10, verse 46 to 52. Is this a bit booming, or is it me just imagining it? So, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Amen. Last time I preached, we had the encounter with Zacchaeus. So Jesus met Zacchaeus. And the context is exactly the same. Jesus is passing through Jericho. He's on his way to his execution. 
He has just 18 miles to go before he hangs on a cross. Before he dies for Bartimaeus and for Zacchaeus and for you and for me. So carrying that burden, that weight of what's to come, Jesus is going through Jericho. And he has an encounter and he's dying that day. He's not only meeting Zacchaeus, but he's meeting Bartimaeus. And they're very, very different encounters, very different approaches. We see, we saw Zacchaeus who was loaded and lonely up a tree in absolute silence, just waiting for Jesus. And today we see blind Bartimaeus, the beggar, shouting at the top of his voice. So who are you going to call? Do you know God's phone number? Yeah? Hey, you're stealing my thunder! (laughs) Yeah. D.O.D. I thought I don't work with children and animals. I thought adults were safe. Yeah, it's 333. The code is Jeremiah. And uh, yeah, it says this. Call to me. And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. I forgot my other prop. I'm doing terribly today. Just give me a second. It's definitely in here somewhere. You can't get the preachers nowadays, can you? Okay. Right, if, if I took this out this morning and I dialed Tony Blair, well, not Tony Blair, he's history. <laughs> David Cameron. <laughs> it's not going well, is it? <laughs> and, David Cameron or the Queen, do you think they're going to pick up? Why not? Am I not important? No, seriously, you're right. They are not. (laughs) The Holwell family have been very disruptive this morning. First Caleb was playing Buzz Lightyear to infinity and beyond. I don't know if you could hear it playing down here. And now his dad is calling me. I don't know. Dear, dear. Where did Beth find him? (laughs) Okay, so... so, uh, David Cameron, Tony Blair wouldn't either, so that's fair enough, isn't it? David Cameron or Queen are not going to answer me. But the all-powerful God of heaven says to you, and he says to me, give me a call, and I will answer you. Isn't that pretty staggering? Don't you think that is pretty amazing? That God says, call on me, and I will answer answer you. Blind Bartimaeus, he could have sat by that roadside all day long and not made the call. 
If he hadn't made the call, God would not have answered the call. He would have remained a blind beggar. God the Son was passing by, and he would have passed by. Jesus is here this morning. He's here through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present, and he's waiting for you to speak to him. He's waiting to hear your call, and he will answer you. I just love the, the bit in the story of blind Bartimaeus where he didn't let his past and present issue determine his future. You know, we come with issues and, you know, we can give those issues to Jesus this morning. And I love the, the, the picture of him throwing off the cloak. A picture of, I'm, I'm throwing off that past life. I, I'm throwing off the life of a blind beggar now. I don't want that anymore. I want experience of Jesus that's going to change me. And it did. We've got some baptisms coming up next week. And I love baptisms. And when those people go down into the water being baptized, it's symbolic of saying, I'm leaving all that stuff behind. Those past issues, those past things, I have brought them to Jesus. I've encountered him and I am leaving all that stuff behind. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture. You see, blind Bartimaeus was not merely praying a selfish prayer for healing. There was much, much more going on. And why do I say that? Well, we can see from this passage Bartimaeus' heart. And there were two wonderful aspects of his heart, two qualities that Jesus just loves to respond to. If we have these two qualities in our heart, then Jesus absolutely loves it. The first is humility. You know, he didn't cry out to Jesus, you owe me. You know, I demand healing. I deserve it. You give it to me now. He doesn't. He doesn't ask for healing when he cries out to Jesus. The first thing he cries out for is mercy. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on Me, he's saying, I don't deserve healing. I don't deserve anything. All I deserve is your judgment. He wasn't that, he felt he'd built up some brownie points that over his life he'd done all these good things and he could go to Jesus with this credit and hand it over to Jesus and say, there, now heal me because I'm this good guy who deserves it. Not at all. He came realizing that all he deserved was judgment. So he came with humility in his heart. There's a verse that said, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we can passionately cry out to God with a humble heart and he loves such a cry. The second quality is faith. When Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? He says, I want to say. And Jesus says, your faith has healed you. Your faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6, a very, very famous verse, talks about how we come to God. It said, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly 
seek him. Faith is something that we can't fully explain in the sense of where it comes from, but there's just something within us that knows that God is real, that knows that he wants to have a relationship with us, that knows that he wants to engage with us. And we just know in our knower. And it's just hard to explain it, but it's there, and we just have that assurance in our hearts that God is real. And it doesn't need to be great. (laughs) Jesus said, if you've got faith as tiny as a mustard seed, so small, that's all you need. You don't need oodles of it. Just the tiniest bit of faith God loves and responds to. Nick's been introduced already, and he's staying with us, and it's a privilege to have him. And he, he shared a story about meeting a taxi driver in Cork, in Ireland. This taxi driver's father was an imam in Saudi Arabia, and he, so he was steeped in, in Islam. And when he got to Ireland, away from the father's influence, he started being interested in Jesus. And so he said to Jesus, if you're real, when I go to this certain hotel in the foyer, I want you to put there a Catholic priest. So he went to the hotel, went to the foyer, looked around for a Catholic priest, and didn't see one, so he came out. But he wanted to give Jesus another chance. So the next day, he did exactly the same thing. He he goes into the foyer, and it is full of Catholic priests. (laughs) It's just everywhere. So he goes to the man at the reception desk, and he said, were any of these priests here yesterday? And he said, yes, all of them were here yesterday. They just arrived, they weren't in their robes. (laughs) So both days, Jesus had given him a room full of priests, not just one. You know, Jesus loves that humble faith. That Muslim had just a humble faith. Bartimaeus had a humble faith. The result, both of them became followers of Jesus Christ. Because immediately afterwards, Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the road, the road to the cross. It was a pretty tough start for for Bartimaeus. So who are you going to call? Are you going to call Jesus? Are you going to call him in humility? Are you going to call him in faith? I can guarantee you that God will answer you. Might be some of you here sitting, listening to what I'm saying and thinking, well, I have called God and he hasn't answered me. Well, sometimes the answer is no. You know, God is not some cosmic vending machine that we put a prayer in and then we get what we want. God is not going to answer yes to all our selfish prayers. If you just look at that, the selfish prayers to win the lottery did not bring happiness. You see, they hadn't taken into account that if God answers every selfish prayer with a yes, then the, the world would be orientated around selfishness. The very core of our society would be self self Self. In such a world, it's every man for himself. And in that culture, there is plenty of aggro. You know, if 
<clears throat> I wanted to, to, to pray a self-centered prayer. Um, I would say, Lord, let Leeds United win. And that's fine, isn't it, until they're playing your team. And then you're praying, Lord, let my team win. Oh, I feel a fight coming on. <laughs> but that, that would be it, wouldn't it? It's, it's an absolute nonsense. That is not the kingdom of God culture. You know, God is not going to foster the kingdom of darkness culture by answering our selfish prayers with a yes. So God normally answers those prayers with a no. You see, his kingdom characteristics are self-sacrificial love. His kingdom characteristics are justice and righteousness and peace and joy. So he is not going to bring into this world the things that are counter to that in answer to our prayers. So sometimes the prayer is absolutely wrong and God says no. Sometimes it's not that the prayer is wrong. Sometimes the prayer is from a good motive. And the answer is a mystery. And this is the hardest one for me to get my head around. It's the hardest one for you to get your head around. There is a mystery element to God. He is beyond human reason. His ways are inexplicable. He is the only one who knows everything. He is the only one who sees the eternal big picture. He is the only one who has all the information. He is the only one whose motive is absolutely 100% pure. We've been singing about it a lot this morning. He is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. And his mercy lasts a lifetime. This is sometimes where the mystery kicks in and it's hard. And I want to give you two examples personally of where one, it was like Bartimaeus, and the other, it was a mystery. First one is when we prayed for my uh, daughter, Lydia, when she was six months old, the elders of the church anointed with oil and prayed for her. She was suffering from, uh, um, from febrile convulsions. Every time she got a temperature, she was fitting. And the moment she was prayed for, those fits stopped. 24 years on, she has never had a fit from that day to this. God healed her. Claire has just given testimony. Same thing. When my first wife got cancer, we prayed for her, and the answer was a mystery. Because she was not healed, she died. It's a mystery that I don't understand but in humility, I let God be God. And I still have faith that God is God. And through the grieving process and through that, the darkest journey of my life, God was with me. <laughs> and if he hadn't have been, I don't think I'd have come out the other end. I might have done, but I'd have been in a bit of a mess, I'm sure. I'd have probably been addicted to something if I'd managed to get through it. After the grieving process, I knew God's power and anointing in planting this church here. And God had brought Becky alongside me. 
This church was planted so easily. It was planted much, much quicker than any of, of the other Light and Life churches. There's an amazing sense of God's presence and power at work. It's a mystery. I don't understand any of it. I've just been totally honest with you. I don't understand any of it. It's a mystery. <laughs> but God is good. And when God answers with a mystery, <laughs> he's still good. So sometimes he says no because it's just selfishness. Sometimes he says, I'm giving you a mystery. And when we get to heaven, we'll understand the mystery. And sometimes he says, no, because I'm going to give you something better. You know, you've asked for something that isn't the best for you. I'm going to give you something better than that. An example of that is Paul. Paul had something called a thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what it was. Let's be honest, nobody knows what it was. But we know it was a thorn in the flesh. It was something he didn't want. It was something that was a pain. And he cried out to God, and he said, God, heal me. He's a bit like Bartimaeus. You could just imagine Paul shouting almost with the same passion as Bartimaeus did. He, he really was desperate, and he was crying out, God, heal me. Whatever it is, take it away from me. I don't want it. And God gives him the answer after three times of pleading. He says, no, I'm not going to do that. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God said, I'm going to give you something far better, something greater than the healing from whatever it was, something more significant than that healing, something more powerful than that healing. I'm going to pour out my grace into your life, that means a load of good things that we don't deserve. That's what grace means. Paul, I'm going to shove into your life a wonderful array of good things that you don't deserve. I'm not going to take away the thorn in the flesh. I'm going to give you that instead. And then he says, I'm going to pour into your life so much power, Paul. The power of Almighty God is going to be in your life, flowing through it, that you are going to do an amazing ministry. You're going to see amazing things, but I'm not going to take away that thorn in the flesh. I'm going to give you this, because this is much, much better. And Paul says, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on. Paul says, forget that thorn in the flesh thing. Forget that. Bring it on. I just want to know your grace. I just want to know your power. <laughs> and he did. He did. Paul had an amazing ministry. He was the greatest church planter in the early church. He was the greatest apostle in the early church. He saw amazing things. He's written most of the New Testament. A ministry of power. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Are you going to call him with humility? And with faith, are I going to call him with preconceived ideas of what it is? In other words, the slot machine, God the cosmic vendor. I'm going to put the prayer in and I demand this out of it because I want it, I deserve it, I need it. I, I, I. Me, me, me. My, my, my. 
God wants humility and faith. (laughs) And he longs to answer those prayers. And so often he does give the desires of our heart because he's a loving father. But as a loving father, sometimes it isn't the desires of our heart. When Caleb goes up to try and touch something hot, you know, we say hot. And he'll take his hand away. And now when the cup of tea is on the table, he doesn't touch it. He says hot, hot, hot. That's because he's got a loving father. He said, don't do it. No, I'm not letting you touch it, Caleb. No, that's not good for you, Caleb. Caleb trusts him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? 